Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. are listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Pasadena, California. This is a very special episode, as we like to say, part of our Satellite Sisters Word Write Festival. We're talking to authors all summer long about their latest work, and I am very excited to have the talented, the funny, and the redheaded Amy Alcon with us. Amy, have you ever been on Satellite Sisters before? How is... Have you? I I have not, but you know I've listened to you before. It's just that, um, well, this book just came out, so here's the occasion. Yeah, well, let me tell you a little bit about Amy. If you don't know her, she writes the Advice Goddess, which is an award-winning syndicated column that runs in more than a hundred newspapers, which is incredible. She's also the author of the best-selling memoir I See Rude People. You've seen her on GMA, The Today Show, NPR, Entertainment Tonight, and she does a weekly radio show called Advice Goddess Radio. And I thought back in my memory, like that we had talked to you when you were one of the girls giving out free advice on the streets of New York City, but maybe we didn't. You know, well, actually, it was so long ago, my memory, I, yeah. I say my memory is not my strong suit. Okay. So. All right. Well, you know what? Let's start like it's new and fresh. Amy does have a new, fresh book out. Maybe you caught her recently in the New York Times where there was a fabulous picture of her. It is a manners book, but I am just letting you know, people, our Satellite Sisters people, I am not saying the whole title because, uh, well, it's just a little too edgy for us, or as the New York Times said, too polite to print, but I do love the title. And I'll just amend it as this. Good manners for people who sometimes say bad words. Is that fair enough to say, Amy? That's great. <laughs> okay. And, you know, you make the point in the book that it's you're not a fussy etiquette expert. What what are you hoping to get from good manners for nice people who sometimes say, <clears throat> what are you hoping uh, well, actually- to impart? I would like people to drop all the fussy manners stuff The oh, this fork has to be four millimeters from the plate mm-hmm. and we can't wear white on these days. And really at the root of manners is empathy. It's how we treat other people. And the other stuff is about fitting into posh social classes in Britain. And I'm not British. <laughs> you don't sound British. And I think that we should focus on the more modern manners, which is that empathy driven manners. You know, and I love you've done a ton of research for the book, and we'll get into that in a little bit because you've spoken to all kinds of social scientists as you put your spot on great advice together. But the first point you make in the book is that you're not perfect. And um, to illustrate that, you tell a story about a Hollywood dinner party. Amy, what happened at the dinner party? (laughs) This is one of many stories of my imperfections I lay out in the book to let people know I do not have perfect manners. Uh, I was at a friend's dinner party and there were just a few of those people there. I call them the Holly Weasels. They're those really pretentious Hollywood types. I'm from Michigan. I just don't like people that are very pretentious. And uh, it was about nine o'clock. We sat down to eat. One guy keeps his sunglasses on and I'm thinking, oh, come on. Glare of the salad dressing too much for you, dude. (laughs) And so for some inexplicable reason, I decided to share this. And I said something like, sunglasses indoors what are you blind (laughs) he said as a matter of fact i am oh see (laughs) we love you for that i mean how big did you feel did you well if the knife had been sharper i would have killed myself right there but i mean you just want to die in that situation and the point i make in the book is this is one of those times 
when you really want to get all rambling and apologizing. And what that does, it makes things worse. You just draw out the situation. And so you have to get in and out with a quick apology. And that ends it for everybody. Otherwise, everyone's uncomfortable for like five minutes while you're going, oh, I'm really sorry. And I didn't mean to, you know, it's horrible then. Okay. I feel better because I had a moment that I can't even share on the radio that was similar to that. (laughs) And I am still reliving it. You know, it was a full year ago. And I'm like, I just need to get over that and move on. And I don't even know how to do it. But, okay, I'm going to take strength from your words, Amy. Take strength from your words. (laughs) Um, You know, you really do take sort of a social scientist, anthropological approach to this. You talk to a lot of experts. You have a wide range of interests yourself. Your advice just doesn't come off the top of your head. You do a lot of research. Why are people ruder? Like, are we getting ruder? Or is it our imagination? Or why are they ruder? Well, actually, what I say in the book is that rudeness is the human condition. And I looked at research by a British anthropologist named Robin Dunbar, and he figured out that the human neocortex, which is the brain's reasoning and communication center, has a capacity for about 150 relationships on average. Maybe some have more, maybe some can have less, but it's about the same. And It's about that. And that beyond that, our society breaks down. Excuse me. People get people don't know you, and so they can do anything to you. And this is a society where enough. (laughs) That's true. I I know. Well, you describe it. I poetically, I think, is a sea of strangers, and I, I think that's so true. And I say that we're rude because we now live in societies too big for our brains. So we're on these strangers all the time with this outdated psychology that's basically adapted for life in these small hunter-gatherer bands where we were always around people we knew. So even if you were a jerk, you couldn't act like one because you'd see everybody again. Right. Right. That's what we say in our family. <laughs> like We have to spend Thanksgiving with them. So just straighten up, straighten up and fly right. So, so really the fact that we have, you know, 2000 Facebook friends is actually not that helpful for us in terms of how we interact with human beings. Oh, no. And you see how people behave. When you have 2,000 friends, there's going to be, you know, some of that horrible rudeness where, where people say things to you that they would never say in public. Uh, the example I like to give is that people don't walk up to you in the grocery store, some stranger, and say, hey, lady, that belt and those shoes, they really are not working. And But people feel free to say all of that on the Internet, which is why I think we need a behave-as-you-are-in-real-life rule. If you wouldn't say it in public, then you don't get to say it to your quote-unquote friend on Facebook. So it is, it's part anthropology, but also part technology. Don't you think the tech has a little bit to do with it, Amy? No. Well, it, you don't. It, okay. No, no, no. It enables people okay. to broadcast their rudeness further, but it really, it really breaks down to empathy that people are not thinking in those moments. It's too easy. We have our electronic binkies. It's too easy to push a button. And so what I say is that we have to pre-plan for these situations that behave as you are in real life rule. You have to pre-plan that that's how you're going to act on the internet, that even if you don't post things in your own full name, you have to act as if you are and that people will see them. And the same goes for posting any kind of videos of yourself naked. You have to have forethought with those things. You know, you like your job as an elementary school principal, maybe never appear naked on camera. We often say at Satellite Sisters, we appear to be the only people without a naked video on the, on the internet. <laughs> How could that be? In 20 years, everyone has naked videos of themselves. Well, what's the benefit though? What's, what's the benefit of being polite, of having manners? Couldn't we just carry on in our sea of strangers and, you know, say mean things in people's comments and take down, you know, customer service agents? Can't we just go on like that? <laughs> what's well, you, you what's could. in it for me, Amy? What's in it for me? Well, many people do. But 
that there's actually self-interest in being a kind and generous person. And we think that we chase happiness. It's in the Constitution, the pursuit of happiness. That, and and we, we actually are much better off pursuing meaning. And the biggest way, the best way to do that is to actually reach out and do kind acts for others. And, and I do emphasize that you have to be judiciously kind. Um, a friend of mine, Dr. Barbara Oakley, studies something called pathological altruism. Yeah. And this is when you think you're doing something kind, but you're actually maybe harming both yourself and the person that you're trying to be kind to. And the, enabling an addict would be, um, okay. you know, in the moment. So give me some pot. And they're trying to get off. Well, pot, you're not so addicted. But they're trying to get off something. And you stop their suffering in that moment, but you hurt their long-term recovery. So that's an example of that. So you have a line and, you know, actually one of the things I think that differentiates you from other manners and advice people is that you actually feel like you can also talk back. Like you're not a doormat. Good manners does not mean just absorbing the blows and keeping that stiff upper lip. You definitely take the position that you can, you know, defend yourself if needed. Thank you for noticing that. It's really important because I was a doormat in my early 20s. I grew up without friends. And I emphasize this in the book that it's really important to learn how to say no, to be judicious about what you're going to do for people when so you're not taken advantage of because that actually makes you a rage-filled maniac ultimately. (laughs) You know, if you're always – you know, you're the – Everyone's, you know, I call it the world is my chore wheel, that that kind of mentality. You end up just um, being used by people and then you don't actually have real friends because all the users are lining up and real friends can't get through. So it's very important, even if that's not your orientation right away, that you don't have a lot of self-respect to behave as if you do. And that actually, per the social science research, seems to be very effective that you actually can um, change your behavior first and your emotions seem to follow. It's sort of a two-way street. Yeah, I love that section of the book. I mean, your book is divided into a lot of specific sections, everything from telecommunications to travel to dating to relationship. There's actually a really moving section on on how to help people with uh, with, with serious illnesses and after death. I thought that was very, very meaningful. But something about that saying no really resonated to me, Amy, because I just had a circumstance where I... I did. It was a favor. It was a professional favor for somebody. And I felt like I just got stomped on. And that's the worst feeling in the world, isn't it? Like, why on earth the person sort of turned on me and stomped on me? And I thought, I am never doing that again. I said yes as a favor. And boy, did that make me feel bad. (laughs) See, but the important takeaway there so you can feel better is uh-huh. that you turned it into something. You turned it into a learning experience. And that's what I do when I both behave badly or somebody behaves badly to me. Um, I say, okay, how am I going to make this better for the future? How am, I go- how am I going to use this either to not behave badly, to not be taken advantage of? And it sounds like you've done that. And that's the best you can do because to stomp on yourself for it, that's not too great either if, you know, if you've turned it into something positive in that way. You know, I think you write a lot about this idea of energy exchange, too, that, you know, when you what you give is what you get back. And that I thought was very a very positive approach that, you know, even when things go wrong, you have to measure your response and then you actually get something back. So bravo to you, because I think that's a fantastic idea. Like some things are worth fighting about and other things aren't. Right. It's very important. And believe me, I am a hothead. I have red hair. I have the personality to go with. 
And well, they I, they don't they don't call you. What was it, Amy Postal for nothing? Oh, my agent actually calls me that, Emily Postal. Emily Postal, sorry. Kaya, yeah. Kaya Perina from the Psychology Today called me um, the militant Miss Manners. Everyone associates it with the other people who've done right. this, been in the genre, but I'm not really like them. Mostly because I have really probably not that great table manners, but and they probably eat very elegantly. <laughs> and they know how to address you know a wedding invitation to divorced parents, right? Right. Yeah. And I'm really I you know I just try not to use any profanity in the <laughs> introduction. <laughs> so, but, you know, it really is this thing of looking at your behavior, behaving well, um, and, and trying to be accountable. And then when you behave badly to, um, apologize and also to show gratitude to people who've done nice things for you, it really means a lot to people. And even if, um, it's something like, say you're on the phone line, some utility and somebody's, they, they just, they're smart and they're looking out for you just to tell them, you know, I usually get so upset on these calls and you're really great. And you know, your stuff that means a lot to people. I, I do feel badly about some of my behavior in retrospect with customer service people. And I, I think there is a, there is something to be gained by taking a deep breath before you pick up the phone and dial that 800 number. Cause it really isn't their fault, but why do we let go? Why do we just let go on those people, Amy? Well, <laughs> what's wrong with me? Uh, no, actually, no, this is wise what you're saying. And I say that rudeness is a human condition. And it really is. We want what we want when we want it. We're selfish little beasties. And, we, you know, we want to get all hot headed and vent. But this is why it's important to do something that I have started doing, which is to pre plan my behavior in a situation where I'm likely to get hot headed. And I like Weight Watchers points. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that analogy. Um, but, you know, if someone's outside my house and they're in their convertible and we're really close to the property here where I am, right to, to the street, and they're booming their music, I want to go out there and tell them they were badly raised and say all sorts of snarky things. But instead, I go out and I say, you probably didn't think of this, but we're well close to the property line here and we hear everything. And believe me, this takes a lot of restraint on my part because the snarky, angry response is my knee-jerk response. But that is more likely to provoke a, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't think of that reaction than a lot of um, the word that is in my book title. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We're talking to Amy Alcon. She is the advice goddess. Her her new book is called Good Manners for Nice People Who Sometimes Say a Bad Word that our sister Julie won't let us say on the air. Quick break. And when we get back, I have a couple of specific situations I want to ask Amy about, particularly those people on those cell phones that wander into me and free sample abuse. So stay tuned. You're listening to Satellite Sisters, the Word Ride Festival. We're back. Amy Alcon is here. You know her as the advice goddess. Please check out her new book, Good Manners for Nice People Who Sometimes Say Bad Words. Amy, it's an audible book. It's an audio book, which is fantastic. Did you read it yourself? Oh, no. We actually had a real professional do it. This woman, Carrington McDuffie, she's so great because uh, you write very funny stuff and it's not cute funny. I don't write cute funny either. And so you have to have somebody not read it cute funny and she's all deep voiced and, you know, I really love the reading. Oh, okay. That's a good tip because a lot of our people listen to audio books. So it is available on audio, on Audible, if you're interested in Amy's book. Um, all right. You have a million different scenarios in this book where you lay out specific advice. I mean, it's exhaustive. You must be exhausting. Exhausting. 
exhausted after <laughs> writing this. You cover everything. And you have tremendous sympathy for people who work at airlines, which I enjoyed seeing because that, I think, officially has become the worst job in the United States, working on, a, working on an airplane. Don't it's- you think? It's pretty terrible. The flight attendants, people are really mean to them. All the frustration we feel, you know, people, they get through the TSA. They don't say anything to the guy who's strip searching them. But then they take it out in the flight attendant. They scream at her and shake their glass for another vodka. Yeah. And so you have tremendous sympathy for them. Great advice on dating and everything. I wanted to ask about two situations, as long as I have you, advice goddess. Um, okay. Okay. I have an issue with free sample abuse. Uh, when you go into a yogurt store or uh, there's a particular Chinese restaurant my son enjoys getting his meals at, and and even though they offer you a free sample, I don't feel like you should take it unless you're actually thinking about maybe I will try the cod this time. But but what's a person to do, Amy? Can, should you take the free sample if they offer it? Are you entitled to free samples? How should I encounter? How should I, you know, think about this so that I have more patience with the people abusing free samples? Well, there's a line that gets crossed where free samples become free dinner, and that's not fair. That's taking advantage. But really, the people offering you free cod, they're trying to lure you in. They're trying to give you that taste and have you want to think it's so mouthwatering that you have to order it, that you have to come back. And so I think that's okay, but it's just really take one, not take 10 um, and and try it. It's sort of, um, it reminds me when people give gifts, we're sometimes really uncomfortable getting gifts, but it's very gracious to be gracious and accepting a gift. And I think the same thing with a free sample to sort of turn them down in a way it could be seen as a sort of snub and, I just, I think that's okay, but it just really, there are those people who try every flavor in the ice cream store. Okay. Pick two and choose between them. You right. know, you don't get to hold up the line. Right. Everyone else, they're, it, they're aging back there. It's the whole hold up the line thing. I mean, I know you waited in line for your turn, but the line still goes on. <laughs> it doesn't mean your turn has to last forever. Right. I get very impatient in lines, Amy. Very impatient. My sons yeah. really, uh, really get all over me on it. So I'm trying to learn patience, but I will walk into a yogurt store and if I see that there's, I, I've, I know them, the free sample abusers. I'm like, I'm out of here. Forget it. I'm not even going to wait. It's going to make me crazy. Well, it's upsetting to see people abuse the system. We we really are strongly driven to fight unfairness, and it's unfair when somebody's doing that. And and really, it is a lack of consideration that's shown when somebody is holding up the line. I went to a reading last night, and um, there were people who wanted to just sit and have a long story, a long conversation with the authors while they're <laughs> people behind them. And I think, how can you do that and not feel uncomfortable? And you should feel uncomfortable when you're putting a lot of people out. You know what? I have so much stress when it's my reading and I'm in line and I know that people want to talk, but you're right. I feel like I'm super conscious of all the people in line. In line. And I don't, I, I've, I've tried to move it along. It's one of the things you learn the more book tours you do. But when you're at other people's book tours and they don't know how to do that, I, I felt like going up and helping them. <laughs> like, I know, I know. Okay, I'm move it along. Other. I know you're a first time author, but you are losing sales. People in the back of the line are leaving. <laughs> they're dying. Yeah, they're, they're dropping d- dead. <laughs> All right, here's my other issue. And I know you have a whole chapter on cell phones. We could, you could spend years on cell phones abuse. Uh, I, but 
One of the things I have no patience for anymore are people that run into me when they're texting on their cell phone or they stand in front of a doorway or, you know, or they just muck things up when they're on their cell phone and they're not paying attention. I mean, how, what can I do? Should I say something to them? Should I, I, right now I'm just doing the big harumph, dirty look, and I am not accepting their apology when they say sorry. <laughs> they're not sorry. Most okay. of the time. You know, it's like that they, they think of nobody but themselves. Um, and, and actually, you're probably not going to persuade those people. That's, that's the thing, that there are these situations where we just don't win, and okay. that's one of them. And you can say something snarky to them, but it generally just makes you feel bad. And it maybe it would make you feel less bad if you just quietly realize that they're a bad person. Mm. Okay. <laughs> yes. And I like that you take, um, like, uh, sidewalk hogs. Basically, to task too. People that just consume the whole sidewalk, walking three abreast, or what is it with people that hold hands and walk down the sidewalk? Oh, no, we're all trying to get places. It drives me crazy. And actually, I do have a trick for this. I learned this in Rome. It's really amazing. And believe me, I learned this on the street there. This was before s- cell phones. And um, I, I couldn't get across the street because people there, I like to say, they, they think of traffic laws as traffic suggestions and they just keep going. And so my friend said, just don't look at the drivers as you cross the street, which seemed like kind of a death wish, but he's smart. And I had to eventually cross the street. So I just tried that. And it's so amazing. If you do this when you're on the sidewalk, if you don't make eye contact with people, you look down or you look into a window, they will part... <laughs> Like I like to say, like the Red Sea for the Jews. Um, and it, it's so amazing. And it sort of teaches them a lesson, I like to think, maybe, that, that they're realizing, oh, um, we can't just run you down. It, it makes them think maybe a little bit about other people besides themselves. Because that's just so rude. When you are too abreast and somebody else is coming along, yes, you have to drop hands just for that moment. <laughs> You'll survive. Go go to a movie and hold hands. We're trying to get someplace. Right. I don't get it. Uh, you know, you, you make a case at the end of the book for something you call trickle-down humanity. And I, first of all, I just love that term and I love that concept. And I know it's something I could work on, we all can work on. But how do you explain trickle-down humanity? Well, thanks for that. And you really just have to think about this. This is the thing of having, making your life have meaning and recognizing that we live in these vast stranger field filled societies and that the way to change that is to treat strangers like neighbors and to do small kindnesses for people you don't know. And what's so amazing is that when you do something, even something small, like you're in a cafe and you see somebody looking around for presumably the paper and you have a newspaper and you walk over and give it to them, it is a huge thing. And this woman in my book, um, she um, bought a Diet Coke for a stranger, for this woman who was sitting on a Boulder street looking all hot, very not from Boulder. And the woman started screaming, oh my God, oh my God. It was like the most wonderful thing anyone had ever done for her. And it was like, what, a dollar, three minutes of this woman's time. And those things make people feel connected to you who previously were totally unconnected to you. It makes them feel better. It makes them pay it forward. You know, you do remember that stuff. I remember when I was pregnant and um, with my first son, so I looked good. With the second one, not so much. But someone at the gym said, what a pretty pregnant woman you are. And I don't know, 19 years later, I still remember that woman. I never saw her again. But it was something like I always, when I see pregnant women now, I always try to say something nice to them. (laughs) 
even if I don't know them because it made a huge difference to me at that time. So you have a concept you, you outline in the book called kind sourcing. And it's kind of that, that idea that if you, as opposed to crowdsourcing, if you look around and observe, is it, if you observe other people's kindness, it kind of rubs off. It's so incredible. Yeah. It's, it's that, um, even hearing about others' kind deeds, like that woman who was nice to you, <laughs> motivates people to want to follow suit. It's so incredible. The research by Sarah Algo and Jonathan Haidt, it's so interesting. And so just talking about, like the way I talked about that woman in Boulder, that makes people want to behave better. And so that's really important. But it's even more important to do kind acts. Do you feel like you're under a microscope now, Amy? Now now you have two books. You're an advice goddess. You have two excellent books on manners. Do you feel like people are now watching you, waiting for you to make a mistake? <laughs> no. The, the really great thing is I realized this after I turned the book in that I say in numerous places in the book, look, I'm kind of a jerk and <laughs> I try to do better. And so if you already admit that you're sort of rude and you're just, you know, you're trying to look for it and improve, then it's not like any secret where someone's like, God, she's rude. Uh, <laughs> You know, so, and I just try to apologize and and to not behave in stupid ways and to plan my behavior so when I'm in some heated situation, I'll be less likely to act like a jerk. Okay. You know, uh, when I first met you, you were the moderator of a a book discussion at the LA Times. I was one of the authors. You were the opposite of rude, Amy. You were professional. You were prepared. You were generous with your time and your comments. I can't believe anyone's ever said the opposite of you. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, um, what are you working on now? What's next for you? The next book, and I can't say what it is, my agent will kill me, but it's in the similar area of using science to change behavior. Ooh, okay. Good tease. Good tease. And are you actively working on that now while you're out? Are you doing a lot of events and stuff for this book? Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, You know, if people invite me places, I'll show up. Okay. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) No, I I love readers. I'm grateful for every single person who buys my book and um, because it helps me also write the next one. And and also you hear feedback from people and that's kind of amazing. Well, you have a very active community on your website of commenters and people who clearly, you know, love your radio show and love your blog and love your whole uh, vibe. You can see you've created a real community there. I, of course, will have links at SatelliteSisters.com to Amy's book and Amy's website. If you want to get in touch with Amy, you can go to SatelliteSisters.com, but it's Amy Alcon. And the book is Good Manners for pe- for Nice People Who Sometimes Say <clears throat> a Bad Word. Uh, Amy, I, I want to thank you for talking to me today. It's been a pleasure to get to know you over the last couple of years here in the writing community in Los Angeles. And I hope this is a huge hit for you. Oh, thank you. Wonderful show. Thank you. Hey, everyone, stay tuned. More Satellite Sisters when we get back. I love Amy's take no prisoners attitude towards etiquette. (laughs) That appeals to me. I guess I'm the person in the title of her book. Good manners for nice people who sometimes say 
<clears throat> anyway, so great to talk to Amy. It's been really fun to talk to all the female funny writers here as part of our Satellite Sisters Word Write Festival. For more information on Amy or any of the other female writers, you can go to SatelliteSisters.com, SatelliteSisters.com. We love to have you listen to the whole series. Uh, we, we talked to Annabelle Gerwich, Cindy Shupak. Uh, there will be more. So uh, please. Tune into the whole series and tell your friends. And don't forget that special URL for Audible if you want a free audiobook download like Amy's. It would be fun to listen to. On a commute, it would perk you up. You'd learn something every day if you listen to Amy's book. She covers every subject. Um, and that You can find that at audiblepodcast.com forward slash sisters. All right, everybody, keep reading. And don't forget, call your satellite sister. <laughs>